0: This morning's reading comes from John chapter 13, verses 1 to 10, and we're using the NIV. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realise what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you and you you have no part with me, then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you.
1: Good morning, everyone. Well, listen, if I am a little bit red-eyed just now, um, there's a couple of reasons for it. One, I have to say, just coming back, and i only come back maybe once a year or twice a year, the worship here always moves me. Always moves me. So, thank you, Dave. Thank you, Jocelyn. Thank you, the band. Uh, always, you've got something incredibly special here. Um, also, the hymns. We're going to talk a little bit about the story behind typically one of the hymns, it also has a particular meaning to me, that one it is well with my soul. Always find it moving. So, if we find ourselves collectively getting a little bit emotional, we, we need to go to a safe space, and we just need to imagine Mark McRae watching the service from a pool. <laughs> and that will just take all the emotion... <laughs> out of the, the, the whole thing. I, I should have remembered this was being live cast. I would have definitely had that haircut that I've been promising of myself uh, for the week. Um, I always, as I said, I always love the, the worship here and um, particularly like it when Dave sings some of his songs, you know, as a, as a songwriter um, extraordinaire, often it was envious of that. Could I, could I write a song? I'm not desperately musical. And then I was thinking the other day, because I don't know why it came on. I think Fee bought me a, a CD, and it's in the car, and it's, is it Matt Monroe and Boobly and Dean Martin or something like that? She's got my age group just absolutely down to a T. And there's Dean Martin, and he's singing, and you'll know this, you know, when the moon's in the sky like a big pizza pie. That's amore. Now, I tell you what, if you can come up with an opening line like that and make me, when the moon's in the sky like a big pizza pie, I've never really known if it's a big piece of pie or a big pizza pie. I tell you what, if you can write that, you can. You, you, anybody can write any song ever. That's Amore. There are so many words for love, and it's really love that I want to concentrate on this morning, and I hope maybe once we come the full circle you'll, you'll see why I want to concentrate on that. Many words. It is the universal language. Love makes the world go round. One maybe last anecdote. My father, when I was jetting off, I, we just said goodbye a few weeks ago to our 18-year-old who was embarking upon his end of uh, school journey. I wonder what advice you would give him. Um, He's back safe, um, tattoo free as well, which is great. (laughs) Um, When I was leaving home um, to go to Germany on a a trip, my father said, who, who was a serviceman in Germany, Uh, just after the Second World War. He said, you only need four phrases. Four phrases, he said. So the first one is, Ich spreche kein Deutsch, which means, I speak no German. The second one is, Schön dich kennen zu lernen, which means, it's nice to meet you. The third one is, Du hast schöne Augen, which means, you have beautiful eyes. (laughs) (laughs) And the the fourth one is, iklibidi. I love you. Ti amo. Je t'adore. In Northern Irish, you're (laughs) alright. Scottish, you'll do. I don't know, just for interest, I I will throw it open. Because what's lovely about Fernie Hill is there is just such now a a blend of folks. Um, Any other phrases for, for I love you? You want to shout out from from home languages? Go, Bahab, yes. okay, oh. Arabic, brilliant, Tequero. Yeah. So, do you know what we all know? We all know the concept of love. If you Google quotes, because people quote, don't they? Um, all the time. And basically, they don't really quote from their own knowledge. They look up it up on Google. There's a whole Google kingdom of quotes on love, a Googledom, if you like, of knowledge. And there's somewhere in the region of 300,000 different quotes about what love is, or how to love, or what it feels like to be loved. 300,000 quotes. But let's just remind ourselves this moment, for for a moment, that Google is not God. (laughs) Scripture is from God. And here we have, in John chapter 13, these words here. Having loved his own who were in the world, he, that's Jesus, now showed them the full extent of his love. Now, I know I've preached on this before here and and elsewhere, but just imagine being in that room and imagine for a moment knowing that Jesus, the Son of God, who knew, by the way, it says, had everything under His power, was going to show you the full extent of His love. What would you expect from the Son of God to show you? I don't know. If you ask the boys in school, they would be looking for that Maserati or the Ferrari or who is it, that chap in America? Somebody bought it in a filling station, $1.4 billion on a lottery. Just was won last night. The full extent of Jesus' love. What would you expect? How would you expect God to show you the full extent of his love? And so what he does is he strips off, puts a towel around him, and he gets down and he washes their feet. I happened to be in Rome over Good Friday and... uh, Easter, Easter Sunday. Just by chance, I got an invite and uh, followed a crowd. We, didn't, we, we had no intention. You know how when you go to London, people say, Did you see the Queen? When you go to Rome, people say, Did you see the Pope? I did actually. <laughs> quite by chance. Quite by chance. Uh, we followed a crowd and towards the Colosseum and it just so happened. But you know that the day before, that's that's one of the things He does as He gets them. He he washes the the feet of the poor. Can you imagine Christ washing your feet? And what the, the, the symbolism of that is you know, I don't know what your feet are like. We don't really like to talk about feet. If if you need to switch off and go to the Mark McRae thought of the pool, that's fine. Uh, if you don't want to think about the feet thing. They're not the prettiest, are they really, particularly? But let's take it for the... <laughs> My family say I should never wear sandals, which is why I'm not wearing sandals this morning. You know? We don't like to see them. It's the hidden bits. It's the difficult bits. It's the bits we don't really want to show in our lives to anyone. Obviously, in reality, the disciples' feet would have been in sandals. They would have been dirty. They would have been filthy. And the Creator stoops down and washes the disciples' feet. And in doing so, says Scripture, He shows them the full extent of His love. This is why the Christian faith, I think, is so special, is that the Creator gets down and in amongst you and I, in our mess, in the things we get wrong, in, in the dirt, and gets involved. He doesn't stay far off, but He cleanses So, here's kind of, I suppose this is a teacher thing to do, isn't it? I think the washing of the feet shows so much about love. But let's think about it with these three things, three S's. It's servant love. Now, some of you will be natural servants. You you don't like anybody uh, helping you, but you love to help other people. I don't know if that applies to you or not. Peter was a bit like that. He didn't want anybody to help him. But imagine your Creator saying to you, "I wish to serve you by cleansing you." Imagine that. I suppose we might just get it. Those of us who are blessed to, you know, to have parents or, or, or children who we care for and love, you know, that you kind of get, if you're a creator, you, you get the, the, the kind of idea of serving. But regardless, your creator, the one whose hands flung stars into space, gets down and those hands, wash the disciples' feet. Servant love. Our God is a servant God. The second S, sacrificial love. He doesn't stand on ceremony. He abases Himself. And of course, we we, we sang about, um, when we were talking about sacrificial love, the sorrow. I wrote it down here as we were singing. The sorrow that surrounded you was mine. Christ on the cross the hands that were washing the feet were shortly to be nailed to the cross, that our God loves us enough to die for us. That's incredible love. Incredible love. And the third S is sovereign love. Look who it is who is doing this. This is the Son of God, the the one who it says in Colossians, in Him all things hold together. Without Him nothing was created that was made, and yet He is cleaning the toenails, scrubbing in between, doing the bunions, doing all of that, getting involved in the, the messy bits of our life that we don't want to show to anybody, and that's our God. And He doesn't say to us, clean it up yourself. He says, allow me to clean it, to make it presentable. Because when we try and do it ourselves, we never really get it quite properly, do we? But if we let Him... And it's, I suppose, completely immersing ourselves in that love and completely knowing that love, knowing that you're loved utterly by the Almighty, the Creator, the Maker of heaven and earth, the Maker of you, knowing that inside, that hundred percentness that we talked about that that is what enables you to say, it is well with my soul. Whatever happens in life, if you really know that there's somebody there who loves you, that does help, doesn't it? But if you know that the one loves you, then no matter what happens in life, that helps. So the story, if you don't know it, it is a difficult one, and it's actually... It's quite a difficult one to share at any time. I'm I'm not going to go into vast detail, but the guy who wrote "It Is Well with My Soul" was a chap called Horatio G. Spafford, and he was a wealthy businessman in Chicago in the 1860s. He'd made his, he'd he'd invested well. He'd made his money well, and uh, he had actually already encountered one tragedy in that he lost stuff in the great Chicago fire and almost needed to start from scratch. He had reserves and he had money, but he needed to start again from scratch. He was, he was married uh, with four daughters, and he decided that they would go on a trip to, to Europe to put kind of Chicago behind and all of what had gone on, and, and, and yeah, not necessarily start afresh, but Get away. Well, we kind of sort of know that holiday feeling, don't we? (laughs) He puts, uh, he books himself on the SS Ville du Havre in November 1873, him and his family. His daughter is, is, is young. She's only, I think, 11 months, his youngest one. And at the very last moment gets a call and is told to um, he has to do business, a business meeting or something like that, that he needs to attend to, to wrap up stuff in Chicago before he goes. So, he says to his wife, I will join you. I'll be on the, the next sailing. The sailing goes with his wife and four daughters, and one November evening, Uh, A ship called the Loch Urn in the fog cuts across the SS Ville de Havre and the Ville de Havre sinks within 12 minutes. He receives a telegram about two days later from his wife that says, I alone am saved. I alone am saved. It went down with, I think, 112 casualties. So the story goes, he gets on the sailing. She's been landed in Wales, and he gets on the next, the next available sailing to go and pick her and bring her up, bring her back to Chicago. And his story, because I suppose he was a wealthy businessman, people knew already about the story. He was apparently a. a an acquaintance of Moody and Sankey, if those name, names mean anything to you. And he was a hymn writer or, or poet himself. And the captain of the vessel stops more or less where the Ville de Havre sank and says, Here's, here's where it is. And they pray. I don't know if they lay wreaths or flowers or whatever. And that apparently, according to the story, is when he wrote that hymn. He went to his cabin and he wrote, It is well with my soul. I can't imagine doing that. I I struggle even telling the story because you you enter into it. and I just just can't imagine that. And yet for all of us, whether it's been of that magnitude, and I don't know that, that, that... I suppose one of the great things about coming back to Fernie Hill, some of you I know well, some of you now, it's lovely just to see so many faces. I don't know your story. But I'm sure there are times that you have said to yourself, is this well with my soul? Whether you're a Christian or, or not a Christian, you know, even the longest of Christians sometimes say to themselves, is this well with my soul? whatever our personal circumstance. Only you know that. I don't really know that. How could he say this? I I can only imagine because he knew, and I don't mean in his head, he knew in his heart, the servant love of his Creator, the sacrificial love of his Creator, and the sovereign love love of his Maker. The one who's the Alpha and the Omega. The one who's the beginning and the end. The one who gives life. The one who takes life. The one who holds us after life forever. And he knew that in head. And he knew it in heart. And he knew it in spirit. And while he didn't read, or write, sorry, the deep, deep love of Jesus. I'm fairly sure that Horatio G. Spafford knew the deep, deep love of Jesus. Vast, unmeasured, boundless, free, like a mighty ocean washing over me. It's why I had to link the two together. So, this morning... What I'm going to say to you, so that, was the, that was the tough bit. We're through the tough bit, deep breath. Yeah. What I'm going to say to you is that that love of Jesus is available this morning. And it might lead to baptism like it did for Holly, which is literally you know, the water completely immersing you as the love of Christ immerses us but it's available for prayer. It's available this morning. It's available now. Whatever your circumstance, if you are sitting here saying, this is not well with my soul, then a service like this simply says, it's all right, Jesus is Lord. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life, sacrificial, servant, sovereign, love. It's all around you. Allow Jesus to wash your feet this morning. Allow Jesus to offer you and give you His servant, sacrificial, sovereign love. And then, well, there may be days that are very difficult, but you too can say along with Horatio G. Spafford, it is well with my soul It is well with my soul. It is well. It is well with my soul. I think I'm finished. Let's pray. Lord, you know the folks here. You know their ups, you know their downs, you know their valleys, you know their hilltops, you know their day to day struggles. You know the things that delight them. You know the things that pain them. You know them inside out. Before a word is on their lips, you know it completely. You knew them before they were born. You will know them after this life. Come in your servant, sovereign, sacrificial love come that each one of us, speaker included, might know it in heart and in mind and in soul and in body. So that we can say, I suppose, along with Peter then, please, yes, do wash my feet this morning, Lord. Wash me and I will be clean. And so we pause for a moment just for private prayer. We offer our personal, inmost prayers to Jesus. We ask for each one of us that we would truly know it as well with our soul.